0: What's that? Uh, taxi driver? Ah, yeah, cool! And uh, shower head, big knife. Is that psycho? Okay. Dancing lady. Are, are those wolves? Dances with wolves? They kind of look more like foxes or a hedgehog. Okay, what's this? Uh, a radio, another wolf slash fox, and lots of people. Radio Fox Group, Radio Wolf Bunch, Radio Wolfgang, Radio Wolfgang emoji title, I love it, smiley love heart eyes, winky kiss. Hello, this is Radio With It, yeah, we're back on the air, the cold's down, but we don't care, we're mobile now, we're everywhere, yeah, Radio With It, right You're listening to Special-ish on Radio Wolfgang. The thing that I get asked the most is when. When are we going to go? And my answer to that is, when would you like to go? The truth of the matter is that it's simply a question of will. The will makes the way, and the will is a public desire that produces a political will, that produces a fundamental action, that makes us an interplanetary species. And that that will be a focus. That's our, that's our des- if that is our true desire, and we desire to become an interplanetary species more than we desire war, and more than we desire strife, then we'll have it. And that's the most wonderful thing about space, is that we are our boldest, most brilliant, most peaceful and cunning selves when we're attempting to survive in these unlivable conditions. And the fact that we've gone out there and become an interplanetary species means that we have given up the worst of ourselves in favor of the best of ourselves. So that's what I'd like everyone to know, is that by becoming a spacefaring species and the sacrifice, the thing that we're giving up are the things we want to give up anyway. So let's go, let's give up these things that are killing us and embrace the things that are offering to kill us. (laughs) Five, four, three, two, one. And liftoff at dawn the dawn of Orion, and a new era of American space exploration. As far as I can remember, I've always been fascinated with space. I used to sneak out the window of my house in Los Angeles to see the three stars that you could see over Los Angeles in the 1980s, unless there was a Dodger game, in which case maybe you'd get one or none. Um, But yeah, no, as long as I can remember, this has been a fascination to me. It's a chicken and the egg thing. Did I read books and then get fascinated, or did I get fascinated and read books? I don't think it matters. I think all children are fascinated by this and that sense of wonder. And I think it was Rick who said that, um, you know, he he wanted to to be the host of the reality TV show about, you know, the one-way trip to Mars. But in fact, we're all on a one-way trip through space on this planet, and we're fascinated by that. By how we happen to be creatures that just came about on this, this spinning orb in the middle of space. And as long as you retain your sense of wonder and your desire to know, as a child does, I think everyone who retains that finds it sort of wondrous and wants to know more. One minute, 15 seconds of the flight. We have the hydrazine supply valve open in the second stage. Check one, check two, checking levels. This is Shana Gifford, crew physician on the High Seas 4 mission to simulated Mars. That's the Hawaii Space Exploration Analog and Simulation space mission to Mars. This is the longest simulation that NASA has ever funded of any kind for a space mission. I heard about High Seas, the Hawaii Space Exploration Analog and Simulation. When I was doing some mentorship work in Los Angeles, there's a group, Girls Today, Women Tomorrow, a mentorship program for young Latino women in Los Angeles, takes these girls in as young high schoolers, gives them um, tutoring, helps them do community service, prepares them for college, tries to keep them in school, out of gangs, out of trouble, and with great success one of the things they lack, these girls, are role models, female role models in particular, but really any role models in the sciences. In fact, I'm one of the few doctors, apart from their own physician, if they have one, that these girls have ever met. And I wanted to find a positive Latina role model in space science, which turned out to be quite challenging. I finally found one. Yaharia Sierra Sastre. She's a material scientist, an engineer and a simulated astronaut from Puerto Rico. She was on the high seas 2 crew. She agreed to talk to the girls. So as she was talking to the girls, she and I were chatting and she said, "Oh, you've got to apply to the high seas mission, you'd be perfect. Just apply, it'll be perfect. I did apply for High seas 3. The timing didn't work out. I was just starting a fellowship at USC when uh, that mission began, but the timing worked out perfectly for this mission. The selection process was, if I recall, a little bit like the actual astronaut selection process. You put in an application, your CV, explaining your interests, your research interests, your personal interests, and why you wanted to be a simulated astronaut. Then there was an online interview consisting of Kimberly Binstead, the high-seas PI, and Jean Hunter, her co-PI. We talked for a while. Um, Then there was a narrowing. There were down to, I think, seven of us. Um, or eight of us for a six-person crew. And we all went to Knowles, which is exactly what the astronauts do, and spent a week together. And the crew then kind of sat down and sort of decided amongst themselves who was going to go. Or we put that input into the PI, and the PI and her team looked at our input, and they put the final crew together. If there were personality characteristics they wanted, we are not aware of them. But I suspect that it was a combination of intelligence Resilience and um, intrepidness that sort of characterize actual astronauts is probably something um, approaching what they were looking for, but you'd have to ask the PI. I, in particular, was chosen, I know, because they needed to have a medically trained individual along on every mission, and I was the most qualified candidate in that respect. How did I feel when I was chosen? I was in I was in bed checking my email, which is a terrible habit, I know. And but we've been waiting for the email. It was actually a couple days past due. And I got the email. My husband came in the room, so I had to tell him I was going away for a year. And he walked in, I said, Hey hon, I got the email, I got on the mission. And he stopped. He just sort of he stopped for a moment and he smiled. He said that's my Martian. (laughs) So it was that moment at which um, I felt like it was okay to go on the mission, that it was going to be a good thing. Training we received beforehand was fairly minimal. We had about five days of orientation. How the Dome worked, and the Dome has many, many moving and non-moving parts. From the fuel cells to the solar panel system, water purification and distribution, all sorts of things. We basically had one day to run through all of that. Another few days to meet all of the experimenters in this large experiment, because that's what this is. Astronauts do science, we are scientists, but we, more than that, we are science. Science is done to and for and all around us. We were oriented to the kind of experiments we would be doing and being a part of. And that was it. And then the hatch closed. The transition between Earth and Mars was not simulated in the slightest. We pulled up in a white van, walked up a ramp, waved goodbye to the cameras, and the mission began. I mean, the the physical similarities to some parts of Mars. Mars is an entire planet with as much land mass as Earth and arguably a lot more traversable landmass than the Earth because we don't have large swaths of it that are... I mean, it has polar caps that um, swell and shrink depending on not only the seasons, but whether or not it's in an ice age, such as it is emerging from now. But it has a tremendous amount of landmass. And some parts of it look like the bottom of the former ocean. And some parts of it look like the largest volcano in the solar system. So there's no one terrain of Mars. It certainly looks unearthly. That would be the best way to put it. Especially when the sort of legless stallions of the fog roll in, and yes, there is no fog on Mars, but it cuts off the distance view and leaves you with just the black, brown, red, gray rocks outside the portal window. Then it definitely feels otherworldly. Does it feel like Mars? Not necessarily, but it certainly feels less like Earth. In my case, I've had a lot of preparation with with travel and with the act of both leaving and returning. I went away to medical school for four years, I've been to graduate school. I've done a lot of traveling, hiked a lot of treks in barren places, up the the Himalayas especially, and and done a lot of long-distance work. But I think the preparation for deep space is mostly social and psychological. So if you're going to send a certain type of person to deep space on these long-duration missions, you want them to be the most socially capable, psychologically balanced person that you can locate. You want them to be, if anything, a social genius. Having them be a mechanical genius is great. Uh, Having them be a wizard at botany and crop growing and food culturing is is excellent and essential. But if they're not also a social genius, they're not going to be able to contribute to the chief thing that you need to do out there, which is survive and thrive as a human in a community of other human beings. I believe it's a, a cultivated inclination... I think most people you know first second third standard deviation in either direction if they are personally inclined to make the attempt can be helped in that attempt and that's not just all the training up until when the mission begins and as soon as the the main boosters you know thrust off hopefully they've either had their training or not it's a training that's ongoing ground support continues to monitor your social interaction over time and they provide support where there's gaps or where things are not going as well as they should. And in addition to that, the crew has to support each other. So there's always a time when you're going to fall down. There's always a time when you're going to fall short of the mark. And in those moments, you either have to turn to your crew and ask for help or the crew just has to step in and say, you know what, looks like you could use a little bit of help here. We're going to help you now. So you can, I believe most people, if they really truly wish it and understand that being a socially balanced calm, sane, supportive person is their goal in this mission. Their number one goal, apart from survival, is to be that person. And they're inclined to do it, and they've been given some training, and they continue to receive support. I think most people can do it. Would I do it again? Absolutely. Absolutely, I would do it again. I wouldn't even pack very much differently than I did. (laughs) A little bit, a little bit, but as the fourth mission, we had three preceding missions, all of whom were made available to us to give us advice about what to expect, physically, mentally, psychologically. So we were well prepared when we arrived and we've achieved a lot. We've achieved a tremendous amount for ourselves, for me as a scientist, I've been involved with seven different experiments, and it has been incredibly enlightening and productive. I've been able to be of service to several members of the crew medically, and that's been incredibly gratifying and important. And I've met, maybe most importantly, so many people, either through media interactions or I've been able to reach out to people through writing and emailing and having really positive interactions with people I never would have met if it weren't for this mission. And that's, I think, what it's all about. Interestingly enough, space is all about people. It's all about us at our absolute best, coming together for a reason that is faultless (laughs) and beautiful and intelligent and brings people together in a peaceful way to do something brilliant in our lifetimes. And so any opportunity to do that, any opportunity you get to do something like that, that brings people together in a peaceful, productive, beautiful way, do it, (laughs) please do it. And this mission was one way in which many people came together for a single, glorious purpose. So I would absolutely do it again. Need more science? Of course you do. Head over to RadioWolfGang.com to find out more about becoming a member and downloading our app, which allows you full access to all the episodes of Science-ish.